the speaker and uh, had challenged me to look into the problems that, that are plaguing the gambling uh, and the gaming issue here in the state because it comes up year after year after year. I think it's been nearly a quarter century almost since we've allowed our citizens to vote on something. And uh, so I was given the opportunity, hey, he said, listen, uh, we'll want to turn you loose. Uh, go see what you can find out about uh, gaming in the state of Alabama. Welcome in Alabama Politics This Week with Josh Moon and David Person. And uh, we should say uh, Alabama Politics This Week, which is brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment, uh, because our good friends over at Wind Creek Entertainment continue to sponsor this bad boy. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, well, listen, at this day and time, and we're going to have a, a guy on later to talk about the state of gambling. Uh, we're going to have a, a Republican. Uh, to to talk about the uh, state of gambling and uh and we'll kind of go over at that point uh the differences between what uh, the porch creeks uh and some and a couple of others places offer uh and what's available other elsewhere around the state and and uh, the legitimacy that is offered by the porch creek establishments and uh how they manage things and um it it's it's a stark contrast it's um i mean you know it's it's just it's the difference between going to uh, the the guy on the corner selling weed and and going to uh one of the 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 marijuana Stores in, in Colorado dispensaries, yeah, yeah. and or, uh, and yeah, it's yeah. you know it's all it's a, it's it's just a you have there's a level of professionalism and mm-hmm. and monitoring and things that go on and and honestly at the portrait facilities you got a lot of amenities that you're just not going to get anywhere else that I I I know I enjoy and uh, the spas the uh, the the restaurants mm-hmm. uh the hotels uh they are they are top notch which is why they're you know the state's largest hospitality employer and one of the largest uh employers in the state of alabama currently and and growing every day yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. i like that and i like the way you uh i like the way you um you, you created that juxtaposition uh with the analogy of the uh, marijuana dispensaries versus buying your weed from your weed guy on the street i think that's, <laughs> that's right. That's a that's a that's a that's a pretty cool way to put it. You got one setup that's perfectly legal and that has uh, amenities and um, is a is a one hundred percent you know, like I said, legal and healthy you know activity. And then you've got you know this uh, this other, and we'll get into that. I know in our conversation with Representative Witt, but you know this other. A uh, whole other track where you've just got really some seedy stuff going on, yeah. You know, and uh, so yeah, I think that's that's great. That's a great way to look at it. And and um, we're now into the new year, and I am going to make my trip to one of these uh, casinos. I got I got some some other traveling I got to do first, and then uh, I'm putting that on my list though before the spring. Before the spring ends, I will have I will be able to come back with a nice report, I'm yeah. sure, about my trip to uh, Wind Creek. Well, listen, facilities. to do it, everybody else can do can do probably what you're going to do. You just Google up uh, Wind Creek Casino 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you do, you'll you'll land on their page right at the top. Uh, you can you can book a reservation at one of their triple A four diamond rated luxury hotels. Um, and you know, I like the I, sound I don't know of how all many, of that. I don't know how many diamonds you need, but four sounds like plenty. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I, I don't think that. you get much higher than that actually. Um, and so uh, listen, enjoy yourself. I hope others will will go online and do that as well, and you won't regret it. It's a it's a fun time. It's a fun place, um, and and they have a lot of amenities. And um, but all right, let's uh, let's get into the, the the body of this thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got to say, as we sit here, we're we're recording early this week. Um, and you know, we, we've got some travel, we've got some things going on, uh, and we're going to do the same thing next week as I go to the hap, hap, happiest place on earth, uh, <laughs> with a little one and, uh, and, and my wife and some family and stuff. And so we're going to, we're going to head down and do that next week. But this week, David is, is a little, you know, has to, has to do some things. And, uh, so we're recording on Tuesday and currently right now outside of my house is the worst snow uh, that I have ever experienced in my life. Uh, oh. it is, I mean, not, not, and I don't mean that in, in, in amount of snow, uh, or, or anything. I mean that in terms of the actual snow itself, mm-hmm. it is, it is useless snow. It, it is, it's basically ice pellets that are laying on the ground right now. And then overnight they all froze solid. So it's just a sheet of ice out there, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, and, and you can't do anything. You can't, you can't build a snowman out of this. You can't even build it. You can't even make a snowball out of it. It's, it's, it's worthless. It's worthless snow. And it's all it is, is basically keeping you confined to the house and the kids out of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just is, it's absurd that, uh, what, what has fallen here. I would much rather have a nice wet snow, uh, that fell and, you know, was gone in a few hours or whatever, uh, over this, this, this is, this is no, no bueno, uh, here. This is yeah. as terrible. Well, uh, what concerns me is that you can't really, you're basically housebound and I've been yes. talking to a few people. And you just can't, there's, there's no way you can drive on this stuff. And of course, you know, not safely, uh, no. even though, unfortunately there are people, I was talking to a friend earlier, um, her sister is a nurse. Um, um, I think she's a nurse or she's, she works in, uh, in the medical field and she's got mm-hmm. to, she's got to get to one of the hospitals and she's got to drive. She's like, you know, way out deep in Madison. And she's got to drive into one of the hospitals. And I'm thinking, well, how's she going to do that? You know, how, yeah, how, how do you do that? Well, you know, it's, when, it's when the tough. streets have not been cleared. It's, it's very risky. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, uh, uh, my, my little one is out of school uh, today and uh, she has a couple of little friends who live in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we're in, in, a, in a larger neighborhood, uh, in, in Madison. And, uh, and so i I got out this morning and drove her across the neighborhood uh, to her little friend's house. Uh, I, we could have walked, but you know what? It's cold out there, and I don't want to. Um, yeah, and it is so, cold. it's super. Cold. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. bitterly, bitterly cold. Mm. And so, and plus, everything's covered in a sheet of ice. Mm. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, the the weird thing about this too is. Uh, is that it, the the snow and ice here is on the roads and the concrete. 
Um, and not so much on the grass, which is a really weird. Uh, it's normally the exact opposite, uh, you know. And so, mm-hmm. I, but it is. It, it got the roads and the and the all the concrete surfaces uh, uh, covered first. And so, yeah, I drove her over there. And I mean, you know, I've got the truck with a, with a four wheel drive and stuff. And so it's 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 okay. I mean, I didn't have any problems driving her over there. It went slow, uh, but it. I mean, it was slick. And uh, I mean, I've seen you know pictures and things of, of folks trying to drive around and. They've got the tracks on the interstate, you know, where the trucks and stuff have gone through. And so you've got a little bit of of, of clearing that I, hopefully she could use on, on maybe on some of the some of the bigger roads. But, yeah, if you're in a small car trying to navigate this thing with, you know, two wheel drive and and stuff, you, you're, you're running a pretty good risk. But I know some people have got to get out and do it. And, uh, you know, they're relying on you at the hospital. It's literally life and death situation. Um, and so, you know, and, and I know that I know, too, she's probably going in to spell somebody that's been there for a couple of days at this point. Um, you know? Yeah, you know, uh, and that's a great point, too. That's another, you know, we think about the people, the first responders and, and law enforcement and people like that. But then you also have people like uh, uh, my friend Tori Bailey, who owns uh, WZZA, uh, the uh the AM station there in Flor- Florence that's mm-hmm. <clears throat> been around for for decades, um, and I know she has been holding it down by herself, yeah. you know, for I think a couple of days or something like that. I mean, you know, just man, she can't just run free bird on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, on her station, I don't know if it'll be Freebird. It might be something by Johnny Guitar Watson or something. But 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 the but the bottom line is, it you know, it is a dilemma. And and, yeah. and of course, you know the you know I remember um, when I was at um, WEUP years ago when I was at WEUP doing a daily talk show. My co-host Steve Murray, who was the program director. Uh, was basically camped out there um, with during tornado, you know, after one of the tornadoes yeah. hits, because there's this, you know, there are people that depend on these radio stations, especially, I think, uh, you know, the older demographics in the black community, they depend on these radio stations for information about the weather and traffic and what's going on and, and, and where do you find shelter? Where do you find things that you need? So it's, you know, it's really a, a public service that Tori and, and others are providing, you know, yeah. they, they take yes. it very seriously. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, I remember years ago with the, uh, the advertiser, um, you know, having to, uh, you know, there, there was a plan, a, a severe weather plan there, you know, where people would, would have to come in, uh, you know, and prepare to stay the night if, if, if necessary, you know, so you could get out and go downtown and, and talk to people if you needed to. And, uh, you know, my argument was always, that's stupid. Why would I do that? There's nobody living downtown. The people who live in places are all living elsewhere. Why would I just stay at my neighborhood and, you know, and, and, and do that? And, you know, but that's same people that argue against you know, the, the work from home folks. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, but yeah, it, so I know, and you're right. We, we did. Uh, there was a tornado went through Prattville uh, that I covered and went into those neighborhoods and, and, and documented what was going on and, and telling people where they needed to go and, you know, giving information out about what was happening and how, how things, you know, worked. And yeah, it was, so yeah, I know, it, I mean, I, I, I wasn't overnight and I wasn't like her at the camped out at the station hole 
holding it down by myself or anything, but yeah, there there were a lot of people that that did put in some some real time and effort. I was not really one of them, but there were some that did. <laughs> um, uh, and they, you know, would have just you know mm-hmm. they didn't really need me to do what they were doing. So, um, you know, speaking of need, um, and I, I wrote a column uh, for uh, today, actually Tuesday, um, and um, and talked about. Our governor, who wrote her own column, allegedly, um, the other day, uh, or at least her name was on it, and and it said that Alabama's economic model, quote unquote, is under attack, under attack by these unions wanting to come in here and upset what we offer these car manufacturers to get them to come to Alabama, which is cheap labor. That's what she said. All right, let's just don't be let's don't beat around the bush. Let's don't let's don't try to sugarcoat it. Uh she was saying that y'all will work cheap and that's why and that's the the lure that they have to get these car companies to relocate here. Y'all will work without the the guarantees of, of certain benefits. Y'all will work without the protections uh, that that uh, say that they can't hire temporary workers to fill a lot of these jobs and not give them benefits. Y'all will work out here for wages way less than people doing the same job up in Detroit or some other places around the country. Uh, y'all don't care about these defined pensions, uh, defined benefit pensions that, that are available uh, that the UAW just renegotiated for their folks up in Detroit, uh, y'all, y'all don't worry about it. Y'all will work cheap, and that's what we do to get people to come in here. And so, hmm. I, I, I just, I don't understand, man, how that is something that a governor can say out loud or in writing. Yes, that's what we call. That's what we call saying the quiet part out loud, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that, cause that's what they're saying. Is that mm-hmm. I mean, she she didn't come out and say all that I said, of course, but you know, and and actually define what the her words meant. She didn't do any of that, but she she was saying these this without unions is what we're doing. Well, well, then you got to define. Well, okay, what are the unions doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are the unions doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I was reading Josh. Um, I was reading uh, uh, one of the the news reports about. Uh, what's happening at the Mercedes-Benz plant and um, just the um, they were talking to one of the workers there and he was talking about just the gross disparity between the huge profits that Mercedes-Benz has been pulling in in this state and how it has increased over the past few years to some some exorbitant amount. I I, I want to say two hundred percent is what's in my my mind. I may be misremembering, but whatever the amount is, it was pretty pretty uh, jaw dropping to me. And and yet he was saying we're not we're not seeing, you know, we're not seeing the the results of that. And right. of course, his point is, you know, uh, we are the backbone. You know, we're the reason that this company can generate these kind of profits here in Alabama. Of so we obviously ought to be sharing in it. That's what capitalism is supposed to be about. Right. That's mm-hmm. what we all say. Right. Yeah. You know, so uh, why, why, you know, so, so there's this resistance in the Mercedes Benz plant to unionize. And that goes back to what you were saying. There's this, there's this resistance to have that, that happen because it will result in better wages and benefits, it'll cut into the profits. 
but the profits are so huge. Why not? Yeah. You know, why, well, why shouldn't the people that are contributing to that share in it? Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's, it's, it's so weird how the trickle never trickles. You know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's uh, the, the trickle down never makes it all the way to the folks that, that actually need it. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, uh, that, and so this is what I need people to understand about unions. Okay. All right. There are laws in our country that govern union negotiations. All right. So when, when, when you're, when they're, they're going to these negotiations, both sides are bringing their numbers. Okay. Both sides are coming in and saying, here's what the sales were. Here's what the expenses were. I know I'm oversimplifying these things, okay? And but just just this the basics of it right here. Here's what the here's what the sales were. Here's what the expenses were. Here's the profit. Here's the uh, here's what we expect uh, as a percentage of profit to go to the employees that are making this possible. Uh, you know, the company does does great work as well. We're not you know suggesting otherwise, but we want a certain percentage of the profits to go to salary and benefits. And that's how a union negotiation works. They don't take, they don't take, take, take from the company and, and then cause bankruptcy uh, to this point. That's not what's allowed. What all they're taking is a, uh, the standard portion of the profits that should go to the people who are working and everybody benefit. The companies don't go out of business over this. That's never happened. It's never happened, okay? Yeah. And so, uh, and and too often, what happens is a, a company like Mercedes will go into an area like Vance outside of Tuscaloosa, and 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 put up a, a facility there, and they're treated like these uh, this, this benevolent sort of entity that's come in to bestow good paying jobs on the poor. Uh, hapless souls of Vance uh, who desperately need these jobs. And oh, how great and wonderful are the executives of Mercedes to have come in and allowed us these jobs. Mm-hmm. It, listen, the jobs pay well. The job, Nobody's saying otherwise. They pay well and they usually pay much, much higher wages than what other companies in those areas are paying and offering. And so they do boost the economies of those places. But let's don't let's don't get it twisted. OK. They didn't choose Vance because they thought the poor people at Vance really needed a break this time. All right. right they chose right. Vance because their economic model says we can get the people of Vance to work cheaper than we can get the people in X location to work. And so that's going to boost our profits. All right. That's why they chose y'all. It's not, this is not some game of feelings. It's a game of money. So play the same game. Go and get your money, man, and stop this. You're not taking from them. You're not stealing right. their money. That's right. Yeah. Look at look at all of the uh, look at all of the um, you know the automakers. Uh, you know, you think about Ford. You know, they've been around for how many years? I mean, what? Oh, probably close to a hundred or, or more years. I said nineteen oh nineteen oh something, right? When when Henry I think Ford so. started yeah, that, I think that assembly so. line, nineteen oh five, nineteen oh seven, somewhere around there. Yeah. So over over a hundred years. I mean, they were Model Ts back in the nineteen twenties. So at least a hundred yeah. years, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. that company hasn't gone under, and they've been unionized. You know, mm-hmm. they. You know, you got um, uh, other companies, you know, same thing. Like you're saying, unionization is not the death knell for business or for shareholders or for capitalism. Unionization, in fact, just helps to level the playing field so that so that uh, everyone has an opportunity and a company has an opportunity to benefit, not just 
the people with the deepest pockets or the most shares. That's yeah. really what we're talking about. Yeah, well, and, and while union, unionization is not the death knell, uh, non-unionization has proven to be a death knell for workers' wages uh, mm-hmm. because we have seen, as they have stagnated, the, the profits for companies and the profits for executives have skyrocketed. Uh, and so we've now got this disparity in wages uh, between the executives at a company and the workers at a company that were uh, that would have been unbelievable had you told somebody in the 60s and the 70s uh, that this was was going to be the way life might end up. Uh, they would have thought you were crazy. Uh, and they would have also thought you were crazy for ever giving up the union. Uh, you know, uh, no matter what. Listen, and and. This what what kills me are the people like well you, look at all the corruption that's happened in these unions. Listen, why does something that that helps the average worker have to be perfect for you to experience? In the meantime, all these other systems and you point out all the other flaws of of not having unions and they're like well it's just capitalism it's just the way it works you know mm-hmm. but it, but to ha- but to install this it's got to be the perfect thing. You can never have anybody that skimmed money or did anything. In the meantime, you got fraud left and right without them, okay? You got people out there skimming money and going to prison and the SEC violations and all sorts of uh, shady-ass deals. You got politicians left and right, you know, insider trading on things. It's just, you know, it's it's nuts. And I, I, let me tell you what also doesn't happen with unions. Child labor. That doesn't happen with a lot of unions, okay? Yeah. And when, when you got union oversight there at, at a lot of these plants and you got these folks coming in and out and monitoring what's going on and training the employees. See, that's the other thing that always drives me insane. All right. This is my last little rant on this. All right. But, All right. you know, right now, the state of Alabama, we pay as taxpayers, we pay millions, millions of dollars every year to train employees for private companies. Did y'all know this? Did y'all know that we do this? Whenever you hear these deals, these economic incentive deals that are going out to lure these companies in, and we talk about workforce we're going to pay X at workforce development uh, training, we're going to offer the state's going to provide X in workforce training over that. That's us paying. You know, who used to pay for that. The, the unions oh, pay the for unions. that. Okay. Union, yes, yeah. the unions trained uh, trained all sorts of uh, of, of professions and mm. and made sure that the folks that went to these jobs had the training that, that they needed. Uh that's the one of the things that went into this. So I, I mean it just y'all are killing me. You're killing me. Okay? <laughs> You're killing me. And I understand that it's hard to unionize on the front end because so much of the great benefits of a union are recognized 10, 15 years down the road. Okay. When you've gone through several negotiations and you're making more or the company has gone through a restructuring or reorganization and your union job was protected. Okay. So I understand that those benefits do that. And on the front end, a lot of time, it's just you paying the union dues uh, for maybe a little bit more money on the, you know, so and and maybe the two don't cancel out, and you end up losing a little bit of money because you're paying union dues. I get it. I get that. That's tough sometimes. But, but, it's going to be so much better down the line. Usually, it doesn't even really take all that long, and uh, yeah. and it's a protection that that so many people will enjoy. And you know, I how many people do you talk to who've been in unions who are so proud of it? Uh, I'm an old union man. I'm an old union man. You know, I mean, sure, it's, you know, sure. and, and I think, and I think, you know, unions are, are necessary to hold 
companies accountable because most companies are not benevolent by nature like you like you've suggested yeah. now i now there are companies that are yeah. and and yeah. i and i used to work for one uh in the newspaper business where they, they didn't want to see get out no way there's no way you work for a benevolent newspaper company yeah, no I did. shit I who? Did. who i did in fact i think they were i think they're benevolent but i would say their benevolence was fueled in part by the fact that they didn't want any unions coming in. Mm. So they were very generous in some ways with, with benefits and the pay was great. Benefits Who was this company? Generous. Advanced Publications. Really? With what is now, uh, now, now it's AL. morphed com? into something different. Yeah, it's yeah. morphed into AL.com. I don't know what they're doing over there oh. now, so I'm not speaking about what they are I'm now. Listen, there's a lot of people I know over there, they're very happy, so maybe it, maybe it yeah. remained true. Maybe they love them. It may be so, yeah. and I hope so. But I know when 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 we were when I was at the Huntsville Times, I was impressed with the generosity of the uh, of the benefits, and and what I always heard was that the reason that company operated that way, you know, they were a privately owned, family mm-hmm. owned um, company, and that they operated that way in part because they didn't want unions coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, <laughs> so uh, yeah. they were trying to de-incentivize <laughs> any, any, yeah. any, develop, any organization of unions. Well, well, funny you should mention that, you know, in, in was it November, uh, UAW, uh-huh. you know, they had the strike at the Ford plant and they were going to have bigger strikes. And then they finally struck a deal with the big three up in Detroit uh-huh. uh, for, for higher wages and stuff. And within days, I mean, seriously, days, uh, Honda, Hyundai, and Toyota in Alabama had raised wages and benefits yeah. um, uh, because they were trying to make sure that the unions were not going to have success in Alabama getting a foothold in. So they wanted to make sure that those wages were comparable to what they, they had gotten out of that UAW deal because otherwise the union is going to come in here and say, see what we did, see what we did. But now what those folks need to recognize is, is while it is true, that you're getting a pay that's comparable to them and you're not having to pay the union dues. What's going to happen down the line? What's going to happen down the line when you need that union to negotiate for you and you don't have one and the folks elsewhere do and there's cuts somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's benefits changes and to save money or to put money back into some executives' pockets. And you're not going to have the same protections that those folks have. So I think that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a fair point. I think I, I'm with you in that I think uh, the workplace is better off with unions than without unions. Yeah. But I, my only point is that there are companies that I think even – even if the uh, even if it's not uh, their benevolence is not altruistic. I yeah. Mean, you no, know, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not I, saying that they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart necessarily, but it's more, you know, and that's not to disparage them. But I'm just saying, I think sure. their bottom line is, sure. hey, this is how we're protecting our bottom line. Right. And, and listen, I'm not some poly, and, and I don't. I I know that the 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 job of the company is to make money. Okay, I mean, it is. It's, you know, at the end of the day, your job is to is to make money, not, you know, for yourself or the employees or whoever, but to have a healthy bottom line is the goal of every company. Okay, and I so I get it. I understand that. I understand that. But, you know, that's fine. I just want all I want. I don't want there to be an acrimonious relationship. I just Mm -hmm. want the folks out there to take a stand for themselves and say, it's fine for you to work for your bottom line. I'm going to work for mine. 
That's all I'm saying. You know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a hostile sort of thing. It doesn't have to be a, uh, this "oh, I hate you" sort of a thing. I want you to go to a job every day that you're proud to have and that you're secure in having, and and get a pay that you can, as I wrote, afford a three bed, two bath, and to take the kids to Disney World. That's all, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah and so, yeah. you know, I think unions is your best goal. You know, but if you don't yeah. agree with me, that's fine. You're wrong, but it's fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's uh, let's slide out. Uh, we'll come yeah. back in just a minute. We'll get uh, Representative Andy Whitner in here and uh, and get him to uh, talk about gambling. And uh, uh, I guarantee you it'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, it, it will be. And hopefully it'll open some folks eyes to what's going on out here. This is uh, Alabama sure. Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. Uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. You uh, never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, doesn't don't, like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. We are happy now to uh, be joined by, this is a rarity. This is a rarity. We don't get a lot of Republicans on the show, okay? Uh, it's not that we don't like them. It's not that we don't say. like them. You know, we, yeah. we, we love them. We've had, we've yeah. had Brubaker and Merrill and some of these other folks. But, you know, so we, we've had them on and, I, and, and to a person, they've all, they've all messaged back later and said that was great. Y'all, we, we had a great conversation. That was fantastic. And so we are happy now to have with us uh, Representative Andy Witt. Uh, Mr. Witt, thank you for, for venturing into apparently scary waters over here. <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> hey, guys, I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity and the invitation uh, to join you this morning. Obviously, the topic that we will be talking talking about and discussing this morning is a, a true bipartisan issue that uh, – has plagued the state for many, many years. So that's the reason I'm here to discuss it with you this morning. Yeah, it's and that is uh, that's gambling. Uh, and <laughs> and you know, uh, I, I've I've spent some time uh, interviewing uh, Andy, and and we had a nice long conversation a few days back. And and so I know that he's a big gambler, and he was he really <laughs> wanted to take on this project, and he really loves it. He's had a ball doing it. Uh, no, actually, it's been it's been the exact opposite, right? This this turned into something that became really a chore, hadn't it? It has. I was given this job by leadership 12, 14 months ago. And and for background and to our listening audience, I chair the Economic Development and Tourism Committee in the House. And that basically is, is the committee where any type of gambling legislation would flow through. And as chairman, I would play a hand in any, you know, any potential legislation that's passed or or shelved as has been as we've done last year uh-huh. uh, that that comes through the House uh, or is passed out of the Senate. So I would play a hand in it. And, and as I said, the speaker and uh, 
had challenged me to look into the problems that, that are plaguing the gambling uh, and the gaming issue here in the state because it comes up year after year after year. I think it's been nearly a quarter century almost since we've allowed our citizens to vote on something. And uh, so I was given the opportunity. Hey, he said, listen, I uh, want we'll to turn you loose. Uh, go see what you can find out about uh, gaming in the state of Alabama. And to to say Alabama has a long and complicated history would be a monumental understatement, guys. Yeah, um, well, yeah. It's a, I wrote. I, I was tasked uh, several years back with writing a comprehensive overview of the gambling issue in this state, and it took me eight installments. Uh, so uh, I, yeah, I understand completely uh, exactly what you're talking about. But you know, I guess uh, before you know, before we kind of get into into what you found out there when you went out, and and because I, I know you took some trips with law enforcement and did a whole bunch of other things out in trying to ex- really examine. This, what um, your background wise was, was there when when y'all started this? Did did you want to get to to a certain bill, or was it just kind of wide open? And and you know what what did, were y'all hoping to do with this? Yeah, so I think everyone's mindset to begin with. Uh, the first thing that I had done when, when given this chore, I said, okay, in uh, this task was let's let's get some members that we know are gaming. Let's get some non-gaming supportive members. Let's get some law enforcement involved, and we uh, basically, you know, formed this ad hoc committee. And each one of us then took the task on to, you know, our expertise. So uh, we met multiple times, uh, you know, uh, close to a year ago now and um, had great conversations. And then really, I dove off into the illegal gaming aspect of it. What's going on in the state? What and, you know, what I found is, is very shocking. And I think, well, I know legislators had no earthly idea that these things were taking place uh, within our state. Yeah, it, it's, um, man, it is a, um, it's it's strange. I, the, it's strange to me that, um, that that there's so much mystery involved, given how prevalent a lot of this stuff is out there. And I, I guess it's just one of those things that that people uh, they see it, but they don't really see it. If that makes any sense, you know, they they see it happening in certain places. But I guess if you would give us give us a few examples of of what you found when you went out with with law enforcement. Sure. So uh, as as we started out, you know, and I was still actually in session. Uh, the first trips that I made were to some of the facilities that were covered by our constitutional amendments. Let's let's say Greene County, Houston, some of these other counties, uh, Lowndes County, that actually had uh, the CAs where people actually voted for this uh, back, you know, many many years ago that they would allow gaming and gambling in their. Uh, you know, respected communities. So I would travel and I would try to learn as much as I could regarding what they were calling legal as what I was reading with the uh, attorney general opinions, uh, visited these facilities. And then my first real taste of uh, illegal gaming uh, uh, establishments came in a, in a county here in North Alabama. Uh, I was approached by a sheriff uh, to ask, hey, would you like to come over? and uh, see what we have in our community. And I, of course, I jumped at the chance, along with a couple other legislators. Uh, we visited 12 of these backdoor 
facilities. Uh, you know, the front was a, I think one was a clothing store, one was a florist, one was a, a convenience store. And guess what? We pulled back the red curtain and there were 12, 14 machines, maybe upwards of 20 people playing. And then in one instance, when we walked in, everyone ran out uh, of the back door. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at that time, I knew that I was on to something. I thought, well, you know, hey, this absolutely has to be legal or the individual just ran out of the door. Back doors had warrants because uh, they left. So um, anyway, that, you know, that led me to, to believe that, wow, that 12 actually in this small North Alabama town, there has to be more. And as I began researching, obviously, then I, I discovered and knew very familiar with what was going on down in Jefferson County and the struggles they had down in Jefferson County. I think uh, uh, when I first started, I saw that they had 65 licensed facilities. Uh, you know, I reached out to uh, our, you know, some of the sheriffs. Some of the sheriffs were open and, and returned phone calls. Some. Um, I'm still waiting on uh, some of those phone calls, uh, but reached out and then actually uh, began, you know, just crisscrossing the state. I, I would hear of these facilities, hear of these communities that had been plagued and uh, with these uh, these these uh, gaming type facilities with slot machines, et cetera. And sure enough, I would go in and there would be 20 Morgan County may. I think the last one they had busted over there, had 50. So it, it, it's an epidemic as I've crossed this state. And, you know, today I think it was 50 that I've traveled to, and it, it became somewhat of a cat and mouse game for me uh, trying to locate <laughs> locate these things. I would be coming back from a, a family trip or whatever and say, hey, I need to make a pit stop down in uh, <laughs> Wilcox County or something. Right. <laughs> so, um you know, and, and again, uh, a lot of this information, some of it, you know, would come from law enforcement and, and some of it would come from fellow members. Uh, so. You know, you know, Andy, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a I'm a church going guy and, you know, raised in the church and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I've never really understood about the whole gambling issue, and I and I grew up up north, by the way, not in the south. And I and I know the dynamics can be a little bit different. but but one thing I've never understood about this whole aversion to gambling is that it's obvious people want to do it. And from a governmental standpoint, it, it almost, in my mind, it becomes kind of like the futility of prohibition, you know, over a hundred years ago. You know, why, why is the government still, you know, if it's obvious that people want to do it and they're going to do it, you know, if they're not going to do it at these in these backroom setups that you were just describing, they're going to cross over into Tennessee or Florida and buy lottery tickets, or they're going to go down to, uh, you know, Mississippi and and go to the casinos, or 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 they're going to go to the to the Indian casinos in our state. I mean, you know, we you know we have them here. You know, why why is there such resistance? to just figuring this thing out so that people can do legally what they obviously want to do. Yeah. So you touched on a couple of things that uh, I've used the very example that it was prohibition. This is prohibition era type uh, tactics. Uh, as I've, as I crisscrossed, you know, the, the state and, and began looking into it, I began looking at the ownership 
And what I saw was owners from New Jersey, uh, Georgia, Ohio, and even as far away as Canada uh, that had infiltrated our state, and that's organized crime. Uh, they found that Alabama was not doing a very good job in its law enforcement or, or being able to, or, you know, the fault in our in inconsistent laws. So they were taking advantage of that, and it just seems just absolutely like prohibition. Second thing you touched on was uh, the number of people that want to vote on it. Recent polling that that had uh, had been, been done uh, shows that 92 percent of our citizens want to vote on this issue. And uh, yeah, yeah, I would say, yes, the legislation needs to deliver for its citizens. Uh, you know, they want to vote on it. They should vote on it. And quite frankly, they deserve to vote on it. Uh, as you know, there are many entities in the state that do not want uh, any type of gambling to pass. Uh, illegal gambling is run rampant across our state. Um, and we need to take action. We need to stop illegal gaming its tracks and give, give the opportunity uh, for the people to vote on it. But like I said, the entities, uh, you have um, PCI, you have that component, you have the lottery component, you have the existing uh, track owners that have um, located in, in the communities with CAs that... Uh, <laughs> Any proposal is a non-starter that doesn't, in my fact, in my opinion, that doesn't have the legal and reinforcement and stopping illegal gaming first is a non-starter before we go any further. But uh, it's just so many different aspects uh, out there that are causing people in their district to say, you know, you know I'm not I'm not supportive. And then you have the special interest groups and. The rest is history, as they may say, as it has been over the last several several years. Certainly, hopefully, this time we can be able to turn that around, and this will be a legislative effort. Uh, you know, I will tell you that the bill that 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 has been worked on, where it varies differently in the past, this is a legislature written bill, and it it was it has been written by our members itself, and there's. There has been no outside input from special interest groups uh, from the aforementioned that I had just mentioned. Again, this is a legislator's bill that we're putting out. Mm. Okay, and you feel you feel optimistic about its passage? Is that what you're saying? I, I feel optimistic in its passing. I, I think when people look at the look at the numbers. And the amount of people or the percentage that, that want to vote on it within their districts, if you've got something that's polling at 92 percent and you're not listening to your constituents, then you may have a problem uh, of uh, not hearing your constituents and listening listening to special interests. So I, I would caution our legislators to do that. I'm not looking for pro-gaming legislators. I'm, pro, I'm looking for pro regulatory and enforcement uh, legislators to help me get this across the finish line. Uh, they fully understand the ugly uh, aspects of illegal gaming across the state. Uh, as I've as I've told our members, uh, I have personally visited 50, but I am certain there's over 500 of these establishments across the state. Mm. So I'm going to ask a very, what's probably a very dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Josh <laughs> and Andy. Well, um, no dumb questions. Um, 
what is the real what is the real danger to the state of these backroom operations? What what are they doing that puts the state in danger? How do they well, put I, the state I, in danger? Yeah, so these illegal operations obviously are being ran out of state. Uh, many of these instances, they're they're going unchecked. They bring crime, they bring drugs, and uh, even death uh, that has been recently reported over in Walker County where a lady did not receive treatment uh, and they refused to call an ambulance uh, for her at one of these establishments. And she later uh, passed away, unfortunately. Uh, but then they had 50 machines there. They, they were more worried about uh, their illegal casino than they were the health of their, their patron. Uh, but with this comes crime, as, a, as I've mentioned. I've, I've been to the eastern side of the state. I would see a special little sticker over here on these machines go across on the western side. And, and lo and behold, it would be the same style of machines, same stickers, things of that nature. So it's being ran by organized crime. Yeah, let me, if, if, you can, if I could, if, if, sure. if I could, because I know I know uh, Representative Witt's not going to be able to just jump right out and, and say some of the things. So I, I will. Um, <laughs> our, uh, so because um, I, I know I've, I've, I've studied this as well. Let's say, for example, David, there there's a plane, small plane that leaves a small airport on the western side of this state. Maybe every other day, maybe as, as, as limited as two times per week. And it is loaded with cash. And it is cash that has been washed clean in one of our casinos and headed back to an organized crime or, uh, outfit on the West Coast. Okay. Uh, and, and, one, and an organized crime outfit that is pretty well known throughout the world. And they are washing millions of dollars. And if you doubt the millions of dollars figure, just last year, I reported on a payment that was made from one Green County casino, one Green County casino, an illegal payment that was made to an organization run by a couple of felons uh, that was not very well documented uh, in, in the tax records. They paid them $32 million in one lump sum payment. All right. for That was one year. Uh, so, there is an exorbitant amount of money that's being run through these casinos. And a lot of people will tell you straight up that a lot of the money that's coming and going out of there is illegal money that they're, they're using these casinos to wash for them. And so it's a, it's a cash business. And whenever you have a cash business like that with very little accounting and oversight, you attract a certain level of criminal activity. All right. So we're saying that it gives organized crime uh, a, a greater foothold in the state than it probably already has. Because I would assume that there's organized crime here and uh, manifested in other ways, whether that's through uh, primarily through drugs, but also, uh, you know, perhaps prostitution, human trafficking. But we're saying this is a, a, a different, um, perhaps a more uh, elaborate, an insidious kind of because of the money, the the sheer the amount of money involved. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I, but I also would not separate them out from the other things that you mentioned. Uh, a lot of the times, you're talking about the same people uh, who are doing the same things. Uh, this is just a means of 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 also you know getting getting the cash in and out. So, um, so you think it may be? And I'm sorry, Andy. I didn't, I, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you out of this conversation, but I just want to ask Josh one other thing. So you're saying you think that 
that the gambling, the illegal gambling operations in this state may be facilitating mm-hmm. these other criminal activities. I think, there's, them. I, I think that there's evidence of that. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say the same, Representative Whip? Yes, I think so. I think it goes hand in hand. And, and I think you can look at every <laughs> illegal crime out there. It's probably going on in some form or fashion uh, at, at many of these illegal facilities that have popped up, moved. Uh, you know, one thing that I learned is that these things move quickly. Uh, if, if something is, is uh, the heat gets on them in one county, they'll load 50 machines up and move them to a secondary county. Our penalties, I will add, uh, the penalties that we have in place for punishing these these bad individuals and the, the ones that are uh, you know, operating these facilities are, are minuscule. They're, they're, they're very minor. They're misdemeanor. They're small, small fees, $100 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're not afraid that we're not deterring. So a, a major component of any legislation has to be ramping up our penalties, our fines, and put some teeth and clarity in these laws that are consistent across all 67 counties. And that would be my my recommendation. Uh, and I think that that we need a gaming commission to do that, uh, that uh, I will go on record and, and say that I, uh, today that uh, I think that uh, we need to make sure that it is a state run agency. Uh, I'm not for building bigger government. But I am for uh, getting the illegal gaming under control. And I think that's the only way to do it, in my opinion, is to take it out of the hands of of the 67 sheriffs that are doing it all differently. And let's put it in a consolidated uh, group there to enforce the laws. Yeah, you know, it's a, you know the, the the amount of of just you know criminal activity and things that are go, that have gone on. It's one of the reasons why you know we encourage people to to go to the establishments if you want to gamble. You know, if you want to gamble, which is perfectly legal, uh, you know, thing to do, and a lot of people do it all the time. And it's, it's, and you know, I understand that there there can be addiction issues as there are with a number of, di- of different things out there. But we encourage people to go to the, to the facilities that the Porch Creeks run, uh, the facilities like uh, Victory Land and the Birmingham Race Course and and uh, Green what was formerly green track uh, because those p- places are monitored they have they have things that they must comply with every year they you know who own them who owns those those facilities because they've had to go through the FBI background checks and they have to do these things every year and they and uh, for the porch creeks they are uh, they have federal oversight and they have to have the account their accounting practices are are you know under review constantly and so you know places like that are not are, are not the ones that we're talking about where the illegal activity is taking place we're talking about uh these exact you know the back of the floor shop of all places you know <laughs> right. uh that these things are happening but you know i, I also wanted to to ask you one, one other thing and that's sure. you know when, whenever you hear uh somebody say well we just need to have tougher laws you know that's what we don't need to pass any more gambling we just need to pass tougher laws and just stop all this stuff that's a that's a really uh that's a really nice thought but pretty much impossible, right? Yeah, I think so. Again, because we have 67 counties that are doing it completely different, and there's absolutely no consistency uh, in in the way they are being done. We've got we've got casinos in Greene County that are shut down by the sheriff. 
uh, given permission to open back up within a week. And, you know, they're not open as I understand today. Uh, maybe wrong. I hadn't, I hadn't visited Green County. It's not something that I, I, I do on a weekly basis. But uh, a- absolutely, I, I just think that uh, we've got to have some consistency uh, in that, in our, in our laws to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Right. Uh, but, and, but and like, for, for people um, to say to say that we that uh, uh, they've had twenty years or, or or longer to do it, why are they not doing it now? I guess why is uh, some of the top law enforcement across the state not shutting these these things down? Uh, I provide evidence. I've written all sixty seven sheriffs. I have sent information to the attorney general's office, uh, providing them to all of my findings in November. Let's let's hear something back. Let, let's let, let's find out something other than sticking our head in the sand when it comes to the word gambling, which many of our legislators do because they're afraid to tackle the issue. Yeah. I, I certainly hope that's not the case this this time. Well, if you, I think your mistake was when you sent it to the AG's office, you didn't tell him that Hunter Biden was behind this woke gambling. Uh, so, but uh, my, <laughs> my, I know you can't touch that, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but uh, we're, you know, the the last thing I wanted to say is, or to ask you, but and, uh, and we really appreciate you spending the, you know this amount of time with us, and uh, but. What, where is the gambling bill right now? Uh, do you foresee it being a comprehensive type bill that like similar to the ones that we've seen in the past? And, and how soon do you think you'll have a bill out there for people to take a look at? Yeah, so I think that uh, the bill should be finalized over the next week or two. It is certainly uh, we're certainly hopeful to do so, to, to be able to do that. Uh, we would like to get it to our members out first for them to begin giving us feedback, suggestions. We're open to any feedback and suggestions from our members. We certainly want to make this the strongest bill that we can. Uh, but I, I know that we will that we will debate this bill on the floor and everyone will get an opportunity to vote on it. Uh, it will be a comprehensive bill. Uh, there's just no, there's no way that obviously we can get around that. Uh, it, it's not feasible to governor has basically said that multiple times you would support a comprehensive review of gambling and gaming bill. That's what we're trying to provide to her uh, and for our citizens. And, uh, you know, as I studied the matter and, and, and got in depth into it again, this was something that wasn't on my radar screen 12 months ago, and it wasn't any bills that I was working on for certain. Uh, But as I began looking at it, we've got to clean it up. We've got to cap it. We need to tax it. And it needs to be a comprehensive bill. Well, well, listen, um, you know, from somebody who who had you know tried to study this issue and get to the bottom of things and, and decipher the various laws uh, and stuff that govern these things and how we got to this position. I, I appreciate what you've done, uh, uh, probably more than anybody could. Uh, and and, uh, and really, I do. I know it's a, it's an undertaking, man. And you, you you deal with people. That, yeah. People just don't understand uh, the I mean, they, it, it, you just don't understand how how the the 
the craziness that's involved with this. And, and so, you know, and I was just a newspaper guy writing a story about it. I can only imagine the craziness that you've dealt with, um, and, and, and things that have gone on from having somebody with actual power to write legislation to govern this. I mean, it must be, have been insane. So thank you for taking it on and, and really thank you for spending some time with us today to, to try to explain it. Well, gentlemen, I, I do appreciate it and certainly would love to do a follow-up as we get closer to the piece of legislation uh, sure. being debated. I, I, I hope you feel that uh, I'm easily accessible. Uh, this is something that uh, I certainly you know, want to make sure that our citizens uh, and, and fellow legislators understand fully uh, it, because I want them to be able to vote for it. Uh, as I have mentioned before, they should vote on this piece of legislation and deny, we should not deny them that fact. We need to give them the best bill that we can off the floor and then provide it for them on Election Day. So, Josh, guys, I, I thank you for allowing me a few moments to spend with you this morning and uh, look forward to having a conversation in the future. Thank Absolutely. You. Right, Andy, Absolutely. Thanks, we'll man. get you back in. Tell your Republican friends that you survived unscathed and, uh, and they, we'll, we'll get some of them on at some point as well. <laughs> I, yeah. I certainly do appreciate you guys and thank you all and have a great day. OK, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Right, Whitney. You that's, yes, uh, that's, that is Andy Witt. And uh, honestly, man, I, I'm not lying when, when I say to, uh, to I told him uh, that this is, you know, I, I know what the undertaking was. It's the man. These people are crazy. Uh, they are. They are crazy. And you deal uh, you deal with folks, man, that sometimes, you know, I mean. It can get a little, a little iffy uh, on on stuff, and and what I do you mean a little iffy. What do you mean, man? They some they they'll threaten you. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, okay. yeah, they'll they'll threaten you. And I mean, I had I had a guy get mad at me, and he's still mad at me to this day. And to this day, I don't know what I did. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, uh, it was, he just decided he was going to be mad at, at me about something. And I still don't know what I did to him. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll bet you money, uh, that, that Andy Witt has had, uh, threats. I'll bet you money that people have threatened him, uh, there, there, and, and, and made very scary comments about him and his family. Uh, I, I, I guarantee you it's happened in this because, you're not dealing with good people in a lot of these cases. I mean, listen, there are good people involved in gaming in this state. I know. Sure. I know them personally. I like sure. them. They are they are family people. They are people who have run a very respectable business in this state and employed thousands of people. I mean, I, listen, I, you know, I know I knew Milton McGregor, as we know, we've discussed before. And, and I know there are people that would run through fire for that dude. Uh, and, and it doesn't come because he was running a casino and gave them a little bit of money. It, right. it, you know, when I when I would walk through the casino with him um, and, and and listen to him talk to the employees and stuff, it, it was it's just, you know, there, there was just this respect both ways uh, out of them. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way. I, I've done the same thing with some of the folks w w at the Porch Creek uh, facilities. And, and, and there's a respect there and there was a respect in the community for what's been done and, and how some things have been managed in there. It's just mm -hmm. a different situation in those instances than it is. In some of these backroom deals, some of the illegal gaming operations that are taking place around, you're just. It's it's not a good environment. It's not a good thing that that you're have you're allowing to happen, and we're allowing it to happen at an astronomical rate in this state. 
So, I mean, we got to do something to, f- to figure this out or, you know, shut up about gambling because we've got it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got it. So it's all about well, who I, you want to run it. Well, I will say it was eye opening for me when I think you you said it. I don't think Andy said this, but when you said that um, that there was a woman who was sick or whatever happened. That was Andy. That was Andy. Yeah. Or, and they were more concerned about not having law enforcement come mm-hmm. into that illegal operation than to get this woman some care. And she ended up dying. I think yeah, that's, I'm that's pretty eye opening. They, they they carried her somewhere else and called the ambulance. Mm. And so that, because they didn't want, they didn't want to attract the attention of law enforcement. And so they carried her somewhere else and called the ambulance. And by the time uh, they got her over there, the ambulance got to where she was and yeah, she passed away. And, yeah, and who knows if even the act of transporting her exacerbated her yeah. sickness or whatever was going on with her, her crisis. So, yeah, that's that's pretty eye opening, man. I mean, that's, that's there, pretty eye opening. There's some there's some movie worthy stuff that's going on and, and mm. organized crime wise that's going on in, in a lot of these casinos and people just don't understand it. And uh, what I, honestly, man, Green County is as close to a modern day Phoenix City as we'll have right now. And if people don't understand the history of Phoenix city and what went on over there, that's I'm telling you right now, what's taking place today in that County uh, with those facilities and what's going on and who's involved. It's as close to that as as we've ever had. So, Hmm. well, so I know we got to wrap this segment up, but one, one other quick question. So are you, are you, okay. I think it's, I told you about how I went into one of these um, uh, casinos um, off of, uh, I think it's off of Highway 80. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that what runs between? Um, Were you in I Lowndes County? Yeah. Yeah, was you were at uh, Center Star or uh, was that Center Star or I can't remember what the other one is. Well, I can't remember, yeah. but it was one of those big ones. Um, yeah. It was, you know, pretty big. Pretty, I mean, big, like almost in a Walmart size building. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, you're saying you think that even establishments like that are were are mobbed up or in some no, way connected? No, no, to- no, no, no. Because most of those places are. Right, so, so here, all right, real quickly, I'll, I'll try to. Right, so there are a handful of 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 counties out there that have constitutional amendments, county-specific constitutional amendments that allow for bingo gambling. And some of those, uh, a smaller portion of those, were passed in the, in the years when electronic bingo became federally recognized as an acceptable form of bingo, right? So, so that's what changed all of this, is when the Fed started saying, okay, uh, Native American tribes, you, as part of our agreement under gaming on federal lands, you can have electronic machines, uh, which you know are similar to slot machines, but they are federally okay. So if a state allows for bingo in the state, then a tribe located in one of those states can operate at bingo parlors and electronic bingo machines, which is how the Porch Creeks began to grow their operation is through they could offer these electronic bingo machines. Uh, I'll never forget uh, Milton McGregor told me one time that when he was operating his dog track and it was the most successful dog track in the world. 
uh, for a period of about three or four years. I mean, it was hmm. huge, running running huge at Victoryland. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we we started to hear about these these electronic bingo things that were going on, and then we heard that the that the Porch Creeks were offering these things and in, uh, in Wetumpka. And he said, man, he said we went down there, and they had uh, some some basically some big uh, trailers. Uh, you know, portable trailers that that were there, and they had these machines in those trailers. And he said, "You know, the doors are open." And he said, and "They look like the look like the some bitches was on fire, man, because uh, all the cigarette smoke coming out of the of the doors or whatever." And he said, "You know, if he, he said, I said to myself then, if if there is ever uh, th- these games were ever presented in a respectable manner." In a in a place that was monitored uh, with with a hotel with amenities uh, and and to make it uh, this pl- this better place, he said, you know, there's going to be a boatload of money uh, in this. And he said, and sure enough, that's what happened with the with the Porch Creeks. That's you know, he started it as well at his place, um, and they were making money hand over fist for a long time. And and so yeah, I mean, you know, there there was so that that's how electronic bingo came to be. So in those counties, what's happened is. In order for them to do that, they have to be aligned with charities. Now, you know, the the charities are supposedly running the games at these places. And, you know, there's uh, ways around the laws and and things like that that have happened. But uh, would I say that those places are mobbed up? No. I would say that those places are owned by by different individuals around uh, and certain people are making money off of them. And a lot of times you'll find that the people in law enforcement are, are you know, have a stake in it. And sometimes people that, um, you know, that that are in, in the charities themselves have some stakes in it. And and so, yeah, there are some very questionable practices sometimes mm-hmm. that, that happen around some of those things. Conflicts but, of interest, yeah. Yeah. But for the most part. Um, no, they are owned by people who th- this, and especially here, here's the other thing, uh, victory land, Birmingham race course, green, green track, all of those places own paramutual licenses, which are class three gaming. It's the highest level of gaming that you can have. Uh, so it's the same as operating a casino. It's the same license that you have to have. Uh, and those places are the ownership and management are reviewed every year and they have to all go through FBI background checks and all sorts of different checks uh, there for them. So that's why one of the big arguments is let's put the whatever we're going to have casino wise at these locations, because we know that the porch creeks and we know that these these dog tracks uh, are all have these background checks. We know that the people are accustomed to it. We know that they run the security at these places. And so that's why those those places are automatically picked. Uh, not to mention they they also prop up communities around them that are often very poor communities. And and so, you know, they've paid a lot of bills and they have people who are very loyal to them and getting uh, a bill to pass without including them is very, very difficult, if not impossible. So I all hope right. that. I hope that thanks explains some the, of it. For, thanks for the primer. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, I've got an eight-parter if you'd like to read it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> uh, uh. All right, let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back wrap this thing up in just Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen 
and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty. Welcome back Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. That was a nice conversation with uh, Representative Witt. Uh, spread around some good info there. And I think, um, um, you know, listen, I understand that we're, we're sponsored by one of the outfits, uh, a gambling, you know, a gambling business in this state. I have no qualms about saying that. I think they're a very respectable outfit yeah. and otherwise we would not be uh, associated with them. And so I think they run a legitimate legal business and mm-hmm. it's as, as legitimate as a bowling alley. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you go, you spend your money and, and you're entertained and I, uh, I think they do a fantastic job and I think that they should continue to have a part in this. And I think they should be a part of any, any bill that's passed the same way. I feel like the, the dog tracks around the state ought to be part of them. Uh, I think that they have, uh, they have employed a, number of people in the state and been good citizens and tried to follow the laws uh, for uh, decades now. And I think you should reward people for that. I think that those should be your first concern and you should not put out a business that's been, you should not put out a business, a business that's been in this state for that long uh, without a, a lot of effort to do otherwise. So it's my thoughts. Mm-hmm. All right. And so that's where we stand on this. And, uh, and that's always my, has been my opinion long before uh, I th- I've, I've voiced it on here numerous times. So it's been that, that way long before uh, the Porch Creeks decided to sponsor. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's, um, let's switch gears and we're going to be quick here uh, and, and get out because we spent a lot of time in the open and, and with a representative Whit, rightfully so. Listen. Oh yeah. People, that was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people listen have gotten more than they deserve. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's well above what you've paid for this. Okay. Um, but let's, uh, let's call it, we're going to go right into our right wing nut and our right wing nut is the state of Alabama. The whole, mm-hmm. all of it. Uh, the whole state of Alabama for yesterday, splitting Martin Luther King Jr. Day with Robert E. Lee's birthday. So uh, reprehensible. So it's, reprehensible. It's unimaginable to me that we're still doing this. In 2024, mm-hmm. that we are still celebrating a, a not only a, a, a loser in terms of uh, the war, the Civil War, but we're celebrating someone who's a traitor, who was a traitor Uh to the United States of America and somebody whose whose, uh, political or governmental philosophy was that people should be enslaved. My God, that 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 in and of itself should be the disqualifier. You know, uh, that 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 his position was patently immoral. You can give me, don't give me all the crap about what a great general he was and and what a great leader he was. Blah blah blah. That's all bull. This mm-hmm. guy was taking a position that was patently immoral. And if his position had prevailed, if his side had won, you know, America would not be the country that it is today. Nope. Because so many people would have been deprived of opportunities that have benefited this country. On the other hand, you juxtapose that with Dr. King, whose position was your your racism is immoral and we're going to oppose it, but we're going to oppose it peacefully, nonviolently, and from a rubric of love. Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. King could have taken the position 
that has been taken in other countries preceding him and after him where people decided that they were going to stand up against this kind of racist injustice or or classist injustice violently, with violence. Mm-hmm. You know, the ANC in South Africa, they espoused violence. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I don't have a major, major problem with them with that, only because I know that, you know, every entity has to, they've got to decide how they're going to fight against oppression. You know, so that was their decision. But Dr. King made the right choice, and ultimately even the ANC had to come around, and that was through Nelson Mandela and yep. his sacrifice. And, and what freed the black people of South Africa ultimately was not violence. It was peaceful resistance through Mandela yes. and, and, um, and the people he set. So again, I'm saying we have somebody who extols the best virtues and the winning strategy to oppose evil, who we're celebrating, but at the same time, we're celebrating the purveyor of, the representative of evil, mm-hmm. in this case. And how do we do that? How do we, in good conscience, Josh, how do we do that? How in good conscience does our governor, does our legislature continue to embrace this, and I'm just going to say this damn holiday? How do they do it? Um, you know, man, uh, the people in the Republican Party get so bent out of shape whenever you suggest that they are racist. All right. And, you know, uh, as I often say, I'm, I tell them, I'm not saying you're racist. I'm saying that the racists love you and they think you're racist with them. Okay, and this is one of the reasons why. All right. This lack of fortitude to come out and to to do away with this holiday because you might upset a couple of backwoods dipshits out there um, that are and maybe a whole bunch of backwoods dipshits out there who have been fed a line of nonsense from birth about the lost cause of the Civil War and how it wasn't about slavery and how Robert E. Lee was some grand general with a you know, who, who's a master of, of battle strategy, which if he was, he would have never done what he did in the Civil War to begin with. Uh, and honestly, he got really, really lucky uh, that he was fighting one of the bigger idiots that has ever been put in charge of a, of a uh, military brigade, and that was <laughs> McClellan. I mean, God Almighty! Uh, honestly, go and watch Ken Burns' documentary sometime, and look at, at what occurred there. And there was no reason that that you know. I know I'm getting into the weeds of this thing and, and arguing it when it's really simple. Robert E. Lee had a decision he could have made. He could have gone with his country and fought for his country, or he could have done what he did, and he chose to be a traitor to the country. Yep. All right, yep. and that's a simple fact. Yep. These people were traitors to the country. They were traitors to the country. All right. They didn't like that their economic model of success, and where where we heard that one before, yeah. uh, was being upended. And so here we are with they're going to secede from the country and turn traitor and attack. All right. And we're going to have a whole fight over the ability and the rights of these slave owners to continue owning slaves. And it was all wrapped up in money. It was all wrapped up in what was going to be right for these folks. 
And that's the reason why you see in so many places in Tennessee and in Alabama uh, and in uh, Georgia and other places, you saw a lot of folks that who lived in places where there were very little slavery at all. They were like, what the hell? We don't want to be part of this. We're not doing this. And they they didn't have any part of this. Uh, was it Walker County? I believe was it Walker County. Uh, one of these counties up here was very well known for for being anti secession. Uh, there's an, there have been another there were another couple in Tennessee. Um, uh, uh, Rains, uh, Mr. Rains, for the, the New York Times editor, uh, uh, just wrote a a book about a, a famous cavalry uh, that went to fight with the North from from Alabama, um, and it, it just is. There were people who knew better. Okay. This idea that there were, oh, it was just the way it was. No, it wasn't. All right. It wasn't just the way that it was. People knew better. And he chose this. And we're choosing to continue honoring this person who wasn't from Alabama, who didn't spend any time in Alabama, had no love for Alabama, uh, did nothing to help the state of Alabama whatsoever. And we're choosing him only because it pisses off black people. And that's the only reason we do it. That's the only reason we do it. Well, you know. I don't know what it's going to take for things to change. Uh, I certainly hope they do one day. In the meantime, I know, uh, you know, in my heart and mind, I give the middle finger to that holiday. I don't subscribe to it. I don't acknowledge it. uh, and, And I don't embrace it in any way. And I actually don't, I don't, I'm not aware of anybody, you know, well, I'll just say in the circles that I'm in, I don't see anybody talking about that holiday on that, you know, um, they they only talk about MLK Day. So, um, you know, I guess for now that will have to suffice. But one day, one day I hope and pray we can get rid of that damn holiday and and put it in 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 the trash where it belongs. Yeah. And 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 just celebrate what we should be celebrating, which is, I think, the life of the greatest person this country has ever produced, in my opinion. And I know many people will disagree with that and debate that. And they'll talk about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or somebody else. But I'm going to always say Martin Luther King Jr. because, in my opinion, he literally saved this country from itself. Yep. With his life, his death, his sacrifice, and with the the philosophy that he espoused, which made it possible for there to be a peaceful transition into from a Jim Crow era into a non Jim Crow era. Not it's not a perfect era. You know, we still got issues to work out. We're still battling with the residual effects of Jim Crow and slavery to this very day. And I think the rise of Trump and a lot of the the crap that he stands for is indicative of that. But nonetheless, for people that look like me and have my ancestry, things are much better than they would have been. And that's because of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, And all of the other people that worked along with him, you know, whether it was directly or indirectly, you know, who were philosophically linked with him. You know, it's because of those people that things are better for us today. Well, I don't think we can we can say anything better than that. So let's just say y'all be safe out there and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.